Good morning. Those of you who have been watching the slides behind me have been seeing on the screen many hopes, commitments, intentions that the Goshen College community and members of the community made last fall when we gathered here in this space. Recognizing that intention is the first step to actually moving in a particular direction. These intentions were articulated in an effort to put some oomph behind the hopes that we carry in relation to God, faith, spirituality. Now, looking back, we are invited to revisit the question, how are we doing? What might each of us do to live more fully into an awareness of God and meaningful expressions of our faith? How might we nurture a spirited life, one living responsively to the spirit around us and in us, open to encounter and discernment and response that leads to more encounter, discernment and response? One thing that we can do, and that we do with a certain degree of consistency and regularity, and with some amount of energy and passion, is gather together each week to sing our praise to the source of our being, the spirit of life. And in worshiping together, to be inspired to live lives of love. So I invite you this morning to enter into this time of reflection and of worship with your whole selves present. While we sing here in this place, I'm gonna invite Nina Fox to come forward and light the Christ lamp as a visual reminder of the spirit of Christ present whenever two or three or 230 gather in Jesus' name. So please take your hymnals and turn to number six and stand and let's sing together here in this place. Oh, 
let's sing together. Come, let us all unite to sing. Number 12. Come, let us all unite to sing. God is Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. going to sing together 
293 in the hymnal. We're going to project it up here as well. Uh, God sends us a spirit. This is a folk tune from Ghana. Uh, I was hearing the news this morning and aware that today there is a lot of violence happening in Ghana, recognizing that part of being people spirited and moved and driven by God is also that we hold the, the pains and the suffering of others mindfully before the light of God. This song is a very upbeat song. And so I would ask that we put ourselves into it in such a way that we not only are joyful here, but that we sing some kinds of compassion and some kinds of love from this place of gathered joy into the places of hurting around the world. Please stand and sing, God sends us the spirit. Kristen and Mike are going to play through it one time first. Yoder to reflect a bit, to revisit this theme that we've been working with throughout the, throughout the year, spirited life, discern, no, spirited life, uh, the first thing, what is the first thing? Encounter, right? Spirited life, encounter, discern, respond. So Bob, if you would come forward at this time. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would be present to us this morning and present to Bob as he brings that which you have laid on his heart to us. Open our ears, our minds, our hearts to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. I sat there in the booth at the diner. It was December. The diner, similar to our own Goshen Southside soda shop, had that good diner's 50 style feel. 
But in this Pennsylvania diner, each booth had a little mini jukebox, complete with classic country and rock songs from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, all at your choosing, as long as you put in your quarter. Opposite me on this particular day was my father. Dad and I met at this diner several times when I went home on break from college. On this particular day, nearly 20 years ago, during Christmas break, I learned an invaluable lesson from my dad about what a spirited life looks like and entails. As the youngest of eight children, I looked up to my seven older siblings and learned a great deal from them. But the focus of our conversation on that particular day had to do with the fairly significant ethical, moral, spiritual matter that threatened the unity of our family. One of my siblings made some wrong choices. And the response of some of my other siblings included comments like, well, if so-and-so is going to be there at Christmas family gathering, I might not be there. My parents were torn. First, they too didn't agree with the choices of, of my particular sibling, but neither did they believe in ostracizing or kicking out my family members. And of course, some of my siblings felt that my dad needed to take a hard line on this, one that was strongly biblical, or at least biblical according to their particular faith perspective. And if my dad didn't do exactly as they thought he should do, they would label him weak, wishy-washy. As my dad and I talked about the various pains and antics of my family, I also openly shared with him my own struggles of how am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to believe? I'm 20 years old after all. Would my final response also be considered wishy-washy? Or would my final response be heralded as a truly biblical person? My father is 42 years older than me and grew up in the conservative Mennonite church, of which I grew up in. In that diner on that day, he shared with me some other ethical, moral, spiritual fights that he observed over the years. One example was from his youth, and it was whether or not it was okay to wear belts to hold up his pants. Suspenders had been the practice of his church and of his community. Now, some people in his youth had gone down the slippery slope of wearing belts, which was considered a very worldly bad thing in that time for him. But in time, the church allowed the practice of belt wearing. But on that day in that Pennsylvania diner regarding our family struggle, dad's words, his speaking of his own struggles out to me, and some of his other words were really quite profound and simple for me that continue to live with me today. He said, how can I deny the work of the Holy Spirit? I don't agree with what so-and-so has done, but I see evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so how can I deny that? Throughout their lives, 
and over the last 20 years, as my own family has gone through many trials and tribulations of death, of tornadoes, of destroyed things, and this and that, my parents demonstrated a deep, unconditional love for all eight of their children and their grandchildren. And they let us know that we would always be welcome into their home no matter what we did, whether they agreed with us or not. In the passage that Nina read, we see Nicodemus, a religious leader, a Pharisee, a man who no doubt studied the scriptures of his day and sought intensely after God. A person who others look to for advice and counsel about how does one live a moral, ethical, spiritual life that is true to God. In this particular story in chapter 3, Nicodemus humbled himself and inquisitively engaged Jesus in conversation. Eventually in the Gospel of John, we will learn that some of Nicodemus' peers would not deal with Jesus in this way. They were much more skeptical or confronting or entrapping of Jesus. And eventually some plotted to kill him. But here in chapter 3, Nicodemus appears to humbly engage Jesus in conversation. For Nicodemus probably had his own struggles brought on by the reality of Jesus' presence into his little part of the world. Should he tell others it's okay to listen to Jesus and follow after him? Or should he warn people that Jesus is a false prophet and to follow him would be damned to them? But Nicodemus acknowledged to Jesus in the beginning of his conversation that, yes, Jesus, you appear to be a teacher of God because no one can do the things that you have done apart from the presence of God. And then then Jesus tells Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And to be born from above or to be born again is to be born of the Spirit. Those who are people of the Spirit, people of the heavenly things, they recognize the work of the Spirit in the lives around them and in the lives of others. Nicodemus' struggle was to figure out if Jesus was legit or not. But perhaps his deeper struggle was to decide for himself what his response would be Would he deny Jesus' ministry even though he observed evidence of God's work in his life? Or would he affirm Jesus' ministry and risk being labeled wishy-washy or weak by his religious peers? For Nicodemus, he recognized that Jesus was of God because the fruits of Jesus' labor were the fruits of God. For my father... He recognized the work of the Spirit in my sibling's life. I believe both my father and Nicodemus lived a spirited life, a life whose ultimate decisions, convictions, and choices were and are guided by the Spirit because the fruits of their choices are fruits of God. And so I ask, how will you Choose to live a spirited life. How will you nurture it? How will you feed it? How will you sustain it? 
How will you grow it? How will you know if you are living a spirited life or not? And when the criticisms come, how will you know to stand your ground or to perhaps change your perspective or your view on some things? When the truly ethical dilemmas arise for you and the hard knocks come, how will you discern and know what your response will be? Our campus ministry's theme this year is spirited life, encounter, discern, respond. Living a spirited life, a life that blossoms off the fruit and evidence of God's good realities and intentionality does require intentionality. To be sure, some of life's realities will encounter you in ways that you probably wish they would not. But at the same time, you have some choices as to how you will encounter the people, the challenges, the realities around you. Will you dive in or run away? As you saw in the rotating PowerPoint slides at the beginning of this chapel, you all in the beginning of last semester were invited to respond to something that you would do as a way to nurture your own faith over the course of this year. And as I read through them, Um, back in September, I was struck at the number of you who indicated that some of the practices that you would do would be to listen more effectively, listen more to others, encounter people who are different than you, and to learn from them and to listen. For many of us, it's not easy to place ourselves outside of our comfortable friendship circles. It takes energy. It takes time. Living a spirited life takes intentionality. Living a spirited life also requires discernment. For many of you, since arriving at Goshen College, you've probably encountered a variety of ethical dilemmas and needed to decide how you would respond to those dilemmas. You may have encountered deep, significant questions about life and faith, and have been challenged to consider beliefs very different from what you were used to. How will you decide what your response to those questions will be? Did you simply shut your ears and say, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening? Did you try to prove the other person wrong because, well, you're right and they're wrong? Did you try to latch on anything that was new and different because where you came from, you're wanting to let go of, get rid of, and take on the next best thing because you arrogantly believe that a college education makes you so much more wise and enlightened person now. As a 40-year-old who is 19 years removed from his own college experience, I can assure you that encountering challenging ethical and faith dilemmas will not stop when you graduate from Goshen College. You're in for a lifetime of it. So how will you respond? The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church that was divided and struggling. This particular church possessed the good drama of some good internal fighting, some good external forces that came in and interjected themselves into this community and wreaked havoc. And in giving this particular church or this area of churches some pastoral counsel, 
Paul encouraged the Galatians to live by the Spirit. And living a spirited life meant that they should bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in the same breath, Paul did not mince words to this church. He wrote that the opposite of that good fruit is what he called the works of the flesh. Things like fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and other such things. In our good North American Western individualized minds, we might hear these words as two lists from Paul as a means of testing myself and testing other individuals. Am I loving? Check. Are you loving? Eh. Am I patient? Check. Are you patient? Eh. Am I jealous? No. Am I angry? Well, only righteously. Anyway, we can go through this list to test how I'm doing or how I can test how you are doing. And at times, that burden of testing ourselves can really be a heavy burden. And though that can be a way to engage these two lists, that was really not Paul's intentions to this particular church. Paul wrote to this drama-filled community and indicated that if they as a community want to know if they are living by the Spirit, then there needs to be present these good fruits in their community. Their community needed to smell of this good fruit. Basically, Paul indicated that the fruits of the Spirit build up the community, but the works of the flesh tore it down. So we can ask ourselves at Goshen College, which community are we? One that builds up or one that tears down? One that manifests the signs of God's presence or one that seems absent of God's movement? Back to my earlier question to you. When you are faced with new and challenging ethical and faith dilemmas, how will you respond? How will you know what to believe? How will you know if you are being guided by the Spirit and thus living a spirited life? Or what will your response be? Over the next few chapels here in January, the themes of our chapels will continue to explore and push out a spirited life. What it can be, what it is, particularly through the lens of when we practice different prayer practices, or the practice of activism, or the practice of a body-spirit integration. As I previously mentioned, living a spirited life takes intentionality. It takes commitment on your part to nurture your faith so that when the messiness of life comes knocking on your door, you have a solid foundation from which to base your response. For myself, as I discern my own way through such challenging dilemmas and messiness of life, I often ask myself, Will my response and actions help to blossom off good-spirited fruit or not? Like Nicodemus, will I accept or deny the presence of God, even if it's different than what I thought it should be? And like I learned from my dad nearly 20 years ago, if there is evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit, how can I deny that?
So that question is out there. How would you like to nurture a spirited life this semester? Thank you, Bob, for putting it in a context that, that opens it up and allows us to think, think creatively. What is it that we might do as individuals and as a community to nurture and live out of an awareness of the spirit at work in and among us? While Kristen and Micah continue to play God Sends Us the Spirit, I invite any or all of you to come forward, take a few moments and write something that you want to be intentional about in terms of nurturing the spirit, and then place it in the vase that is down here in the circle. Um, and after we have gathered them up, we will offer them as an offering and as a beginning step um, for this semester, living into this spirited life. So ponder, pray, and come.
please pray with me. Gracious God of life, our hopes, our dreams, our lives we offer to you, the invigorator of our every breath, the lifter of our burdens, the generator of our goodness, the fount of our imaginations, the source of our being. May you be honored in the lives that we live, and may your spirit of love infuse all that we are and all that we do. In the name of Jesus, who came empowered by the same spirit that you pour into us, receive our intentions. Amen. As we go, please stand and let's sing together, We Will Walk With God, number 78 in the Sing the Journey, the Green Book. We'll sing, uh, we'll sing the Swahili and then the English and then Swahili again. 